1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Today's guest, Tina, is going to be Brian Madigan. Brian is a lawyer. He is a real estate broker with Remax West, and he's an author of many different uh, real estate-related documents that helps a realtor in their business. Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, happy to be here. Brian, we have uh, seen many of these stories over the last few years, but one in particular that uh, is making headlines right now is a developer from up north that has approached buyers that purchased properties a couple of years ago, pre-construction properties, and has requested an extra $100,000 to purchase these properties. What do you think of that? Well, it's it's certainly not very good. Uh, they're using, obviously, the uh, increase in prices, which has taken place. Uh, and that's true. There's uh, all kinds of increases from suppliers and so on uh, and delays. Um, however, uh, most of the time, what we expect in any kind of a real estate deal is when you set out the price and that's it, uh, that uh, you're going to be bound by that. And you will have already factored in any price increases uh, into the computations that you've uh, put together right at the outset. So uh, simply more profit, who knows? Uh, the other thing, of course, which is uh, challenging is the fact that we're looking at a major increase in prices uh, for everybody in real estate over the, uh, over this time last year. And so if we have in excess of 20% price increases, do we simply have a uh, builder developer who looks at that and says, if I didn't sell last year, but I sold this year, I could get 20% more. And that's unfortunately uh, true, uh, but uh, um, you know, is the agreement of purchase and sale that they have in place uh, sufficient to carry them through that? Who knows? And Brian, this isn't a news story. You know, in this case, the Premier actually got involved. The Premier of Ontario even commented on it. So is there ever going to be any sort of change? Will there be a recourse for, you know, this developer or other developers down the line? Uh, well, there could be. Uh, there's, there's an interesting little aspect to this. Now, if we were talking just basic contract law, there's got to be certain things that you have to have in the contract to make it uh, enforceable. So you have to have uh, a buyer, a seller, a proper description of the property. Uh, you also have to have a closing date, uh, consideration, and a price. Now, those are the basic elements in the contract. What we might be missing in this particular transaction is the price. Because what we had initially is the base price, and then uh, the, the consumer, at least, believes that to be the final price, as subject to they were, if they were to uh, make any additions 
that that would be reflected, of course, in an increased uh, price. But not the base. The base is fixed. That's it. The deal is made. And the deal is really for a year out anyways. It's not delivery now. It's delivery in a year. So that should be something that a, uh, an experienced uh, builder or developer should factor in. One of the things in terms of price is if you don't have a contract, if it's not an enf- going to be an enforceable contract from the perspective of the buyer, this could actually have an impact on the uh, financing for the builder because what happens is a uh, bank will lend money on a project uh, to build a condominium, to do to construct a building, whatever. But it wants to see how many of you actually pre-sold. And once you get up to, well, I have sold 70% of the units, they'll say, okay, we'll kick in with your financing and provide you with the money to close, to construct the project and finish it off, and away you go. And that's when they kick in. Now, if they were to find out all of a sudden that these contracts are not enforceable and that the uh, what it really is is just a subscription list of people who are interested, that would seriously affect uh, their uh, attitude and uh, voluntariness to uh, fund the project. So that could be probably the big kicker in the whole thing. Um, I'm not seeing necessarily that uh, – Consumer Protection seems to work. Um, The Consumer Protection Act is there, but it's to enforce something that is completely reprehensible and where the price is then too too high. Well, that may not be something that we're able to prove in this particular uh, case, but it's something that perhaps the consumer can send in uh, uh, an inquiry to Consumer Protection uh, agency that that would make some sense. And let's take a look at what if this was a regular residential resale transaction? Would a seller be able to get away with something like this if they had a long closing to say, hey, you know what? The prices have gone up and I am now going to charge you $100,000 more for the property I'm selling you. And what would be the recourse if the seller tried to back out of that deal? Uh, well, we did have that recent case. And it did go to court. And that was the city of Toronto wanted to preserve uh, an old tree. And they purchased somebody's house with the tree. Uh, And it was, oh, this is vintage. This is going to be a heritage tree. We will take down the building and we will have a park here. Uh, And the whole community can enjoy this tree, which predates Confederation. And so it's sort of like, okay, well, that's fine. Well, what happened is uh, the deal didn't get closed. The seller saw that there were rising prices uh, and said, no, no, I want to sell for a higher price to you because the market has gone up. Well, the court simply said, sorry, that's not allowed. You've got to sell for the price that you agreed to right at the outset. And the city of Toronto, of course, maintained that position and they were uh, they were right. So that particular case has actually gone to court recently from that perspective, and I don't think that, that there's really any argument there. The issue in this case is the builder probably has a provision in the agreement which allows them to increase a bit. And if we had proper advice 
at the outset, what we would have is a lawyer would have come along and commented on a couple of these price escalation clauses where they said, okay, we'll put a cap on it. So uh, you get to charge more if uh, the city that you're in uh, increases their uh, fees. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and you'd be able to do that. You'd say, listen, here's what the fees used to be, and here's what the fees are now, and we're passing that uh, extra cost along to you. In this particular case, I'm sure that there is no breakdown on any of the components, other components of the purchase price. So we wouldn't be able to have something like that. But you could have something along the lines of an overall cap, uh, which then would make, would ensure that you had a proper enforceable purchase price uh, in the agreement. At the moment, of course, uh, that could be in flux. You can't just continually uh, raise the price. What if the price doubled or tripled or quadrupled? Is it still an enforceable contract? Can the builder say, um, you've got to uh, buy this property and from me no matter what? No, they can't do that. So what they're really hoping is that the person uh, either backs away and they sell it to somebody else. Um, or they, the person comes up with the, with the funds which really isn't fair in these circumstances. Wow, there's so much that isn't fair about these circumstances. Now, not that I'm defending the developers, but in the same breath, you know, even with these price escalation clauses and, you know, you get to charge more, no one could have anticipated the pandemic and what that would mean to the economy as a whole. So do they have a bit of a defense there or not at all? The contract is the contract. Uh, well, generally speaking, a contract is a contract, mm-hmm. and that's the deal. On the other hand, um, and I don't, I'm not familiar with the wording that they may have included, uh, but there could be uh, escalation due to a number of things. And the, really the, the real role here is if you were to build something and you, were, you, owned, you wanted a building built, you would let it out for tender. And the person in the middle is your own architect who goes through all the numbers and will authorize increases in the price. And uh, both parties are stuck with that, with the with an independent third-party uh, individual who is making decisions uh, on behalf of both. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's a construction contract, and that would be uh, allowable, and that will both parties would consider that to be fair. And of course, the architect is going to be as fair as they possibly can in the circumstances. Uh, But that's the way it would go. In this particular case, what we have is uh, one side claiming that they need more money. (laughs) And that's it. And it's not just a little bit. It's uh, over $100,000, you know, which is, you know, more than uh, 20%. 25% 25% of the purchase price, which is very, very unfair in mm-hmm. the circumstances. Absolutely. Brian, as always, great information, and uh, thank you so much for being on our show, and we look forward to uh, picking your brain on future issues as well. Okay, that'd be great. After the break, are buyers getting in over their heads simply because of their fear of missing out? That story is next. 
This is On The Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On The Market on 105.9 The Region. On the Market is back. I'm Tina Cortez, and this is York Region's only radio real estate show. Over to my co-host, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Salman Farouki, multimedia journalist with the Globe and Mail. Salman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Salman, for our listeners who perhaps have not read your article, tell us a little bit about the story you wrote about buyers perhaps jumping into the market simply because of their fear of missing out. So my article is basically looking at the fear of missing out as a catalyst for for people buying homes. And it certainly has been a big thing in, in all facets of different kinds of markets during the pandemic. I mean, We've seen crypto, we've seen uh, stock markets, and we've seen housing kind of uh, blow up like crazy. And uh, basically what analysts here are saying is that chasing past returns might not be the best um, strategy if you're looking to buy a home. And they're imploring people to maybe look at their own um, sort of situations in their personal life before they, they dive into buying a home. And they also point out that um, renting, you know, it is still a viable option for, for people who maybe aren't able to buy a home or for people who want sort of a different path forward and what has certainly been um, a bit of a crazy market um, to watch and to get into. So before we explore what the experts said to you, where did the idea for this article come from? I think, you know, just over the last couple of years, watching how so many people have, have profited heavily from things like the stock market and crypto and housing, um, you know, there's definitely a sense of, of FOMO, of a, of a fear of missing out that, um, that people have if they weren't involved in one of those things. So, um, you know, earlier as well, I looked at things like crypto and stock markets for the globe um, as, as, a, as, as something that people might have FOMO about. Um, and, and housing is definitely one of those things as well. So, that's why we kind of want to look into it and, and also see if there's an alternative for people who, you know, feel like they missed out, but also feel like it might be too late for them to afford a home at this point. And, Salman, do you think that Canadians will be overextending themselves uh, by, you know, by, by trying to get through and purchase a home right now uh, that may be unattainable for them? You know, the financial experts do believe it's happening. And, uh, you know, anecdotally from, from people around me, I, I definitely hear about it happening all the time. I mean, there's, there's this real immense pressure. I think it's, it's a cultural pressure. I think it's a financial pressure because people believe they're, they're, they're kind of missing the train. Um, and we have a situation where there are very low interest rates right now. So, so there really is, um, you know, a, a chance for people to overextend, especially if we, you know, with interest rates kind of set to increase soon, um, there, there can be a chance where people will find themselves uh, overextended. So you mentioned cultural pressure, financial pressure, but you also talked about a bit of a stigma associated with renting. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, I think, you know, that stigma varies um, whether you're in a city or in a, in a smaller town. I think um, some of the advisors I spoke to, um, you know, they found that people who, who rented had this sort of stigma around them that they weren't, you know, real adults or they weren't, you know, like actually taking full financial control of their life. I think especially in cities as well, um, there's, there's still this pervasive idea in Canada that you can only really be financially secure or, you know, working towards your retirement if you're, if you're paying down a home. 
And that's where a lot of the stigma comes from. And um, I think what my article was looking at as well is that, you know, that, that isn't always necessarily true. Um, there's lots of opportunities for people to build their equity um, without just buying a home. So um, I think that's, that's one of the big areas where the stigma comes from, just this idea that you're not really, you know, building towards your future. You got a very interesting formula in there about how much you should be spending on rent. And, and it was stated that it should be about 5% of the purchase price of a home. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is something I didn't actually know about before I, before I wrote this article as well, and I, I found it very interesting because I think what a lot of people get caught up about when they look at rental prices is that they are obviously so high and they have risen so fast. Um, it's, they're kind of shocking numbers, and it feels like you're throwing away money. But um, one, of, one of the advisors that I spoke to gave this sort of 5% formula where, um, for example, if you're going to buy a $1 million home, then if you were able to rent for 5% of that cost per year, it could work out um, either the same or better to be a renter. So what that basically means is, let's say, you know, a lot of houses in, in the GTA cost a million dollars. Um, if you were able to rent for $50,000 or less in a year, which is about $4,100 a month, then you'd be coming out even as a renter. And, you know, for, for younger people who might be looking at cheaper homes or condos, then, you know, for something like $600,000 a month, then you would only have to rent at $2,500 a month or lower to, uh, to come out even as a renter. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely, even though rental prices are definitely high, um, it's possible to, to work within that formula and, uh, and you know, still, still work towards putting that money into long-term investments. And one expert said to you that buying a home you can't afford leaves people house-rich and cash-poor. So what advice did the experts then leave you with in terms of, you know, so what are people to do? Um, well, I think, I think the biggest advice that, that experts had to say was, you know, take a step back. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different kinds of pressures. There's, there's, a, lot, there's a big sense of urgency right now in the market. Um, take a step back and see whether, uh, you know, buying a home is, is right for you. Because, you know, for some people, yes, being, being house rich and cash poor, I mean, that's fine by them because they really, really do feel they need a home. They want to root themselves in a community. Um, they, they want that home. So, you know, if that means sacrificing their cash flow, then, you know, that's, that's the right option for them. Um, but there's other people who, you know, want to be, you know, maybe they're younger and they have a lot of opportunities to move up in their career that might have them moving around. Then, you know, being, you know, be having, having a lower cash flow by owning a home, you know, might not be the best option because, um, you know, renting does give you a lot of mobility and a lot more freedom with your, with your money, um, in terms of how you want to spend it. So, I think the real advice from advisors here is, you know, this, this market is, is really crazy. It's really, it puts a lot of pressure on people to make decisions fast. And it's really important to kind of step back and, and look at your whole picture. And Salman, that's a great point about younger people. And what we found over the last few years is they want to be fluid. They want to be able to have that freedom to move from place to place. And we see this in a lot of big cities, even New York, Chicago, uh, London, where they want to be transient and be able to move, uh, pick up and move for work or uh, relationships and, and be able to do that freely. And is that changing now with this fear of missing out of home ownership? Do you see a lot of these younger people making that change towards home ownership rather than remaining fluid? I think the way I see it is that there's uh, those are kind of two, two different pressures that are converging on, on young people. I think there is definitely maybe the sense of 
of fluidity that people want in terms of how they live. And also there's this, you know, growing sense as people get older that, you know, they need to kind of do the traditional thing in Canada and, and, and buy a home. But I, I do think maybe, you know, some of the some of the norms about how younger people are living, they are continuing. I think one person I spoke to uh, for my article was um, was a lady who lived in Toronto and, you know, she had, she had a fairly good job that, that made her um, about six figures and she definitely could buy a home if she wanted. And she acknowledged that even if a home gave her better returns than her investment portfolio did, she didn't want to buy a home because it was important to her, um, you know, for her life to be able to move around. Um, and she knew that based on her job and how much money she puts away, she's still going to be able to retire comfortably. So it, it wasn't really buying a home wasn't on her radar right now because it just didn't fit with, um, with, uh, with the life that she wanted. So did you come to an overall conclusion after talking to the experts, talking to someone who has decided to rent by choice? What conclusion did you come to? I think, you know, the, the point of the article was to kind of highlight that, um, you know, there isn't one right answer. And I think there are a number of people in Canada who believe that owning a home is the answer. Um, so I think the conclusion, at least, you know, especially something that I learned from from, from working on this article was, um, there isn't one right answer, and renting is still a totally viable option, even as we see rents increase in Canada. Um, and also, yeah, buying a home can be a great option, but it really, really depends on, on what you want um, from your life. And you should take a step back and kind of look at the pros and cons of both. Well, Salman, it was certainly was a great article and, and one that really got people thinking. If our listeners haven't read this article, where can they find it? Um, they can find it on the Globe and Mail. Um, you know, they could they could try searching a few keywords, um, but mostly if you search FOMO and renting um, and home buying on the Globe and Mail, you'll be able to find it quite easily. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your day to speak to our listeners. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. When we come back, your questions for Asif Khan. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions, and the first one comes from Johnny and Markham, and we talked about this earlier in the show. So here's Johnny's question. There was a story recently about a condo developer who canceled deals on pre-construction condos. How do I protect myself if I purchase a pre-construction condo or house? So Asif, I know that we went through some of these details already, but what do you want to say to Johnny? You know, Johnny, the the thing is with these builder contracts, they are protected. Uh, The contracts are very much in favor of the builder and what their rights and obligations are due to unforeseen delays or unforeseen, uh, you know, raises in price hikes like what we're hearing right now is construction has gone up significantly and that's what's causing the builders to either delay their projects or, or even cancel their projects or ask for more money. And the Tarion document that purchasers sign, you should always have your lawyer review it and also have a lawyer review the actual document that you're signing, the agreement of purchase and sale for this condo. This is another reason why we want consumers to use a realtor 
and we can properly advise them as to which projects we think are viable, which ones will take off. We usually have relationships built with builders that have a good track record of coming through and following through with their promises and deliver on time. And uh, a realtor that is in tune with pre-construction would be able to guide you in the right direction. Our next question comes from Anya in Richmond Hill. She has been on the home search for almost a year, but her experience has been that when she finds a property of interest, it sells very quickly without even an opportunity to put in an offer. What's your advice for her to get in the game? Asif. Now, this is, a, this is another great question, and it's something that we're seeing a lot of. Usually, right now, what's happening is because of the limited inventory, because of the demand that's out there, there are offer dates set for each property. And if they aren't, the instructions to the realtors are that the seller will accept a preemptive offer, so an offer before the offer date. They will consider those. So it's best to try and get into a property before the offer date and you'll have time to put in your offer. And at the same time, if you find a property that is not holding off offers or is, uh, you know, able to take preemptive offers, meaning before the offer date, that's a good opportunity for you to go in and try and scoop a property. Now, often it appears that you're overpaying, but you may be actually getting it cheaper than an offer date when you have seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen 10, 15 people bidding against you and emotions are driving that price up. So lots of uh, opportunities. It's uh, staying on in tune with the market, making sure you know when something comes up. And, and usually you're right. If there's no offer date, things sometimes will sell in the first day. So it's just making sure you're driving around the area that you like, seeing if there's any coming soon signs up and having your realtor reach out to potential sellers or people that have coming soon signs up, talking to their agents and try to get you a scoop on the property. So just to clarify, if you do put in an offer before the offer date, does it automatically mean you're going in over asking and how much over asking should you go? It really depends on the area. It depends on what the home is priced at. There's a a lot of talk about how much homes are selling for over asking, but the reality is the realtor is pricing it way below market value in order to entice more people to come and see the property. So often realtors are being lazy and pricing it way under market value because they're just creating an auction and a bidding war. So you want to be able to know what the market value is on that property and then go in according to market value. Now, you can't go in too much over the market value because the banks are using market value to appraise the properties. So you have to be careful. Again, a seasoned realtor will be able to help you with price points, offer prices, and also tell you where certain properties should end up. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? You know, they can always call me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.